You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. Listen, today's a very, very special episode because we're talking about something that I'm really passionate about. And through this venture that I've had over the past decade and a half, uh, being a strength conditioning coach, nutritionist, author, all these incredible things, having a number one rated health podcast, it's really brought me to this important conclusion. And I've come to finally understand that everybody's journey is unique. And we really need to get out of this perpetual state of comparison that we can fall into, especially in the internet age. And I'm not saying that we don't need things to inspire us, but we can get caught up. And there's this very important statement that I love that says, when you compare me, you negate me. And you miss out on how valuable and unique you really are. And our goal here is to really become the very best version of you and not trying to be somebody else. You know, be you because everybody else is taken. All right. Now, with that said, how do we go about that? How do we really embrace our uniqueness? How do we really tap into becoming the best version of who we are? And that's one of the things we're going to talk about today. And somebody who's really kind of brought to the forefront uh, a nice category for people to, to embrace their uniqueness. And even my wife, she's the first, first person who introduced my special guest to me uh, because she found out about her and it was really liberating for her, you know, to think, wow, like this is speaking to me. This speaks to who I am, who I, who I feel like I want to be. I want to be the best, best version of this person. And so with that said, listen, get your, get your notebook ready. Listen with your inner ears because it's going to be some good stuff. Before we do that, though, I got to tell you, you know, I'm on the road right now and I'm traveling all over the place, bouncing around. And I brought my son with me, my youngest son, Brayden. And so he's been sitting in the back seat. We've been driving around Los Angeles. And now he's like, this is his first experience with LA traffic. All right. So he's been harnessing his superhero power. We just read this book called um, My Secret Superpower by CJ Quinney. We'll put that in the show notes, by the way. And at the end of the book, it asks what your secret superpower is. And so I asked my son, so what is your power? And he went and got a pen, a pen to write it down in the book. And he's six years old. And he was like, all of them, all the powers. All mm-hmm. right. That's my power. And I was like, really? You know, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty audacious, but that's what he went with. And so for him in the backseat of the car, he started top, tapping into his professor X. He was like literally holding his temples and like making the traffic move, you know, like that's what he's been doing and like working on his chi, like doing this stuff in the backseat. I've never, I don't know where this came from, but I thought it was really cool. So uh, we've been traveling around, but also when we're on the road, I want to make sure that we're getting our nutrition, nutritional basis covered. And so for my little guy, I'm making sure that I'm getting some greens into his body, getting him some green superfood blends, but also for myself and my wife, uh, and I also mix it in his smoothies as well. We make sure to get these medicinal mushrooms in. And today, since I hit the gym, I had cordyceps. All right. And so here's a study. This was published in Medicine and Science and Sports and Exercise. They took 30 healthy athletes for six weeks to record the effects of cordyceps on their performance. The group that added cordyceps to their daily regimen had twice the oxygen uptake of the control group. And this oxygen, by the way, it's essential for supplying nutrients to your muscles, for preventing fatigue and buildup of lactate. And so here's what they found. This is the actual, at the end of the study, they found that there was an overall 9% increase in their aerobic activity. 
all right, simply by taking cordyceps. So they got 9% improvement by utilizing this one clinically proven medicinal mushroom that's actually been used for thousands of years. This wasn't invented by Vinny, you know, in the back alley somewhere like last week. This is legit that's been around for thousands of years. This is something that our ancestors utilized. And I use the cordyceps from Four Sigmatic because it's dual extracted, all right? So you're not just getting the uh, hot water extract or the alcohol extract. They're doing both. And plus, here's the kicker, guys. They mix it with coffee, all right? So I had cordyceps coffee today, all right? And that's what I use for my pre-workout with some healthy fats. And I feel like a million dollars, all right? So also organic coffee, so you're not getting a hot cup of pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, rodenticides, genocide, suicide. All right, side means to kill, all right? Be aware of that, all right? But we think, oh, it's not gonna affect me. But we know that, uh, for example, many pesticides are either estrogenic or neurogenic. So they literally work on deteriorating your nervous system in your brain, all right? That's what they do to the pests and they bioaccumulate in our tissues, all right? So get organic stuff. That's what Four Sigmatic uses. And they also have these incredible mushroom blends. So they got Cordyceps Elixir by itself if you don't dig the coffee, which, what are you doing? All right, I didn't drink coffee until about a year ago, all right? I was missing out my whole life on something very special, all right? But the caffeine construct, by the way, is much more balanced because of the medicinal mushrooms. All right, so head over there, check them out. It's foursigmatic.com forward slash model. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model and you get 15% off all of their incredible products. I take it with me. It's like the Visa commercial, never leave home without it. All right, so make sure to check them out. And on that note, let's get to our iTunes review of the week. Another five-star review titled, Having Foro, Fear of Running Out of Sean's Podcast by Michelle Quinn. Can't believe I haven't already written a review because I can't recommend this podcast enough. I love that Sean talks about all aspects of health and wellness, not just exercising even though that was the primary reason I started listening. It has opened my eyes to this entire world of wellness and I feel so much more knowledgeable and understand health topics on a much deeper level. Tuning in has become the highlight of my day. I am so addicted that I'm starting to listen to two podcasts a day. I'm scared to run out. Love Sean's sense of humor and the thoughtful questions that he asked his guests on the show. The love he shows his wife and children is also so touching. Can't recommend this podcast enough. All right. Thank you so much for leaving me that review. I appreciate it immensely. And listen, guys, please keep them coming. If you've yet to leave a review, please pop over to iTunes and leave me that review for the show. Uh, It truly does mean the world to me. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and our topic of the day. Our guest today is the one and only Lita Lewis, and she's a fitness expert and instructor specializing in group training and online programs that aim to transform people's mind, body, and spirit. And her motivational posts have attracted a massive loyal fan base. And her Instagram channel, by the way, make sure you follow her like yesterday. All right, follow the Lita. All right, so let's follow the Lita, L-I-T-A. And she is the epitome of strength, positivity, determination, and just a really, really incredible individual that I'd like to introduce to you today. And welcome to the Modern Health Show, Lita. How are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you for having me, Sean. It's totally my pleasure. So happy to hang out with you today. I would love to just really dive in and talk about your story, you know, because it's pretty unique, it. right? So you grew up in Australia, is that right? I did. I was Man. actually born in Los Angeles, though. Okay. Um, my parents uh, met, married, stayed out here for a while. 
And then I think my mom got homesick. And so a majority of her family were back in New Zealand and Australia. So we moved to Australia when I was two. two. Got it, got it. You know, you don't know this, but I was, when I was searching around doing some research on you, apparently you like, you won an Olympic medal or something? That is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me it was, um, I mean, I was born in 83. Uh-huh. Um, 2000, I oh, sorry, 2000. Um, 1984, Los Angeles Olympics were held here, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I was all but um, one years old. And outside of the stadium, because I believe my parents were kind of walking around the Olympic stadium mm-hmm. and, and the track at that time, they were holding what they were calling the Baby Olympics. Okay. Um, <laughs> the Baby Olympics was ages three to five, I yeah. think. And they were running little obstacles and, and little sprint races and things of that nature. Um, if my mother was here, she'd tell you over and over again that um, had it not been for my dad, she would have had one child and one child only, and that would be me because I was just so full of energy that mm. she spent most of my childhood racing after me. Um, so even though I didn't make the age requirement, my mother said, no, she can do this. Yeah, I was in a race um, and blitzed everyone that was, <laughs> you know, three, five years five years old, and, and, and so won the baby Olympics. Wow. And it's funny, I That's still have true. the gold medal. They gave us a gold medal. It's a little ancient gold little chain and medallion. Medallion. Medallion, I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) That my, I think my dad has. Awesome. So yeah. There's a preview of things to come, I guess. I guess so, which is kind of crazy because I I definitely grew up and ran track for a good part of my my teens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so this was in Australia? All Australia. Got it, got it. So Mm -hmm. track and did you do anything else? Track was big. Um, I lived for track, and then uh, from track, I used my speed on the football field. Mm-hmm. So um, rugby is our right. football game in Australia. And for those that have parents, uh, for women, I should say, that have parents that do not want them to tackle, we have mm-hmm. what's uh, the Touch Football League, mm-hmm. um, which is huge amongst women and men, men as well. So after track, I, I played Touch Football. and um, I guess played the winger position and just used my track speed to catch balls and just sprint up the side and get a touchdown, I guess <laughs> is what you call it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, this is like we're talking about your superhero origin story because I really do think you were an exceptional like a superhero out here in, you know, this age where we got internet stars, you know, mm. and um but people who are standing for something really positive. Um, which I want to shift gears in a minute, but yeah. I want to know how did you get from Australia to the States? Like what was, yeah. what inspired that? I mean, to put it really simply, good question. I think um, in my teens, I became very, very sensitive to the fact that I was a black kid amongst mm-hmm. all white um, or, or other. Um, and not sensitive in, in a negative um, perspective. By no means, I had a great childhood. If anything, my sisters and I um, and a very small group of friends were just like the token black kids. But we were also the athletes and and, and all these sort of great things that were prized. Um, but uh, I think I started getting really curious. I, I knew nothing about civil rights, um, knew nothing about the movement or the culture of, of black people. Mm-hmm. And um, I could often turn to my dad and be like, why haven't we ever gone back to visit the fam, you know? And my dad grew up in Kentucky, very small country town, and I believe that he was so just very tenacious and very intelligent kid that was trying to get out. Yeah. 
Um, and very much the black sheep of his family too. So he joined the Air Force, uh, hence how he kind of met my little, you know, Polynesian mother. But I don't think he had much desire to ever go back, and therefore it was never a priority to take his kids back. But because of that, we starved for um, representation, starved yeah. for something that we that we could identify with yeah. um, outside of our, our father. Um, so in my teens, I just knew I was going to finish high school, um, save as much money as I could working in my little part-time job, which was uh, called Big W, very equivalent to a Walmart. Okay. Um, and then after graduating from high school, I had planned to put a backpack on my back, on my back and just travel the world. So to answer your question, I think the reason why I moved to the United States is because I wanted to be just more centrally located in the world so I could travel. Um, and that's essentially what I did. Wow. Cool. Yeah. So what, how old were you when you made that jump? Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't at 17, 18 that I moved because my parents convinced me that university or college was the way to go first and foremost. Yeah. Um, and, and pretty much begged me to go so I could be that role model for my sisters because yeah. I'm the oldest of three. Um, and so I did. Um, got my education and then gra gra grabbed a job right out of college. And I was very lucky to get it, stack some money, and then I was out. So I, at that age, I was 23, 23 awesome. years old. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so then when you, um, when you moved to the state, so did you move? Where did you move? And yeah. what did you do when you got there? Yeah, I moved to New York City. Okay. I had never been, <laughs> never like visited. I didn't know a soul. Um, I, I moved out there without a job, without a place to stay. Um, I had two suitcases and a laptop. Um, and why? I think I wanted, I was really hungry for challenge. I was that mm -hmm. person, adventure, challenge. And I think I was just kind of born with, or in, it was instilled inside of me that I really could do anything that I put my heart to. Yeah. And I credit my parents for that. Um, I had family in Los Angeles. I had a family in Wisconsin. My dad's family all in Kentucky, Tennessee. But I really wanted to do something on my own. Um, so instead of choosing L.A., because it was very safe, I was very close to my aunt that lives here in L.A., I chose New York City. Mm. And I thought it was perfect because it, too, being on the East Coast, very, very close to Europe. And I could then travel the States, the islands. Um, so New York City was my choice. Probably a very naive choice. Um, <laughs> but I, I made it work. Yeah. They say, well, mainly Puffy today, or P. Diddy, or <laughs> whatever you guys love. Like. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. That's you what know? they say. He's brought it up now. I know that probably Frank Sinatra or whatever said that back true, in the day, true. but you know, yeah. And that's what you know. My wife, being from Kenya, she thought that you know the Big Apple was like when she comes to the states. She was twelve. That this is what it was going to be like, and then boom, uh -huh. she landed in the Midwest. Like this is this isn't is it at all. <laughs> like you know, so. That's a really cool story. Mm -hmm. And um, so did you jump right into the fitness world when you no, got here? Or no. I um my my degree is in as a double major in fine arts and design. I was a super creative kid and always making things with my hands. So I knew that if I had to go to university, I want to do something in the arts. Um, stayed super creative. And so when I moved to New York, I was looking for roles that um that allowed me to be or remain creative. Um, so I jumped into a corporate role only because the role that I was in was, uh, slightly creative. I should say it was, uh, I, everybody's familiar with Getty images. Yeah. So I worked for a company that basically sold a licensed video content. 
So we would work with people that were piecing together or, or creating indie films, um, like local commercials that needed B-roll kind of footage to do so. And we would own that library and then um, license it out. So I was uh, an inside sales executive licensing video, but also because that a lot of the, the accounts that I had were very indie, mm-hmm. but also helped them envision a, you know, a small spot commercial or something, mm-hmm. or a school project and things of that nature. And I worked for this particular company for a whole year um, before I decided that it was just, just not for me. And not because I didn't hate it, but just because it was my first taste of the fact that Americans were born to work. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like. Yeah. I was working crazy hours and it was very normal. It wasn't because I, I chose to be there. I just noticed everybody would get in at eight yeah. and not leave till 7.38. And I was like, Oh no, as a 23-year-old, I didn't come to the other side of the world yeah. to work my life away. I, you know, it just wasn't happening. That's really, I've never heard this before. Mm-hmm. I've never even thought about it. So would you say the culture, um, you know, from Australia is a little bit different as far as oh, you said man. Americans being born to work? I was, I, I, I literally used to be so upset that, that the fact that this was the norm mm-hmm. and speak to my parents like, yo, everybody works crazy hours. And this idea, I think when I first sign my contract with my job, it, I think it included literally like six days of annual leave. And I had to, mm. I, I thought maybe there was a one or two missing, missing. from the front. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even understand. Like what? I didn't understand it. Yeah. Full stop. You know, back home in Australia, there's a minimum of four weeks annual leave. Mm. Uh, minimum. So I, 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 I just realized right off the bat wow. that, okay, this is a lot of hours, but I was fresh. I was new. It was my first job getting my life together and, um, you know, I'll take anything. Yeah. Um, it was, it was just the most grueling thing. Cause again, I, I had itchy feet to want to do and see everything. Yeah. And, and with the little savings that I had, um, I just couldn't, there was just no time. Yeah. And I noticed that was very normal. I didn't know if it was, I was in New York city. Um, but it was a huge, uh, transition and very vast difference from right. Australian culture as far as, um, a work life, professional life. Than it was to that New York City vibe that yeah. I was just not used to. I I, I want to talk about that, and that's why I wanted to kind of highlight this: is that you know we become indoctrinated in the culture that we're in. So mm. we begin we believe that things are normal mm-hmm. just because it's just our way of life. It's what we've seen, and a lot of people don't realize this, but our ancestors, you know, if we're talking, you know, even thousand years ago, they would work on average maybe fifteen hours a week as far as like mm-hmm. quote work. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the time was spent in, spent in leisure, you know, like learning, writing, reading books, teaching kids, you know, mm-hmm. playing games, uh, you know, preparing things, you know, uh, plays and just, you know, more creative, creative uh, faculties right. were developed. You know, as today, that is, I mean, it's changing now, but that kind of stuff is a little bit more frowned upon, you know, like you can have a hobby, right? Mm-hmm. But that can't really be like something you put a significant amount of time into, right. you know? So I'm I'm really glad that you brought that up because I never thought about it and being so different in this culture yeah. and just really brought it to the forefront because it's to here it's like hustle, hustle your face a, off. Yeah, I knew to some degree that New York City was definitely going to be a hustle. You know, like you said, you hear this, you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And I was well aware from family, especially from the West Coast, that said, you know, why New York? It's a, it's a crazy, grueling city. Um, and I was attracted to it to for those things. Mm-hmm. But when I thought about the reason why or my purpose of 
situating myself and planting my roots in New York, it conflicted. Um, so I only lasted a year. I, I actually, I could have quit after four or five months, but I figured, let me put a year in so I could at least kind of list that down on yeah. my CV, a solid year. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of battled it out for at least 12 months. Um, and then got things got crazy because I was so miserable that I considered joining the Marine Corps in the building in which we worked in. Is this why you got the fatigue? I, you know what? Wait maybe. Maybe. See, this was meant to was meant to get this story out today. Yeah, no, but that transition there after a year at that job kind of messed with my head a little bit. Yeah. You know? And one of my good friends that worked in the same building was a uh, a recruiter for the Marines. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know what? If you want to quit this job, you should just do our training. Because I was an active kind of person. Yeah. He said that I was very, you know, vibrant and always looking for a challenge. He said, why don't you join CSC or CS something training? It's like, look, we'll pay you. You'll be in Virginia for like six, or six weeks, I think, or something of that nature. And he was like, you get this challenge and the adventure, and you can still pay your rent in New York. And I was Maybe I'll do that. And so I went through the process. And I got all the way to the end after being checked out by their docs and paperwork. My mom sent paperwork from Australia and medical records. And then when my father found out, he called me. And he said, if you join the Marine Corps, I will come out there myself. Mind you, he still lives in Australia. And, and kill you myself, basically what he said. I said, what? what? What's going on? I was like, no, Dad, don't worry. It's not like you go through the training and you have to join. It's just the training. If I get through, um, they'll invite me in and I get a choice. And I can say no. I will say no because I don't want to join the Marine Corps. I want to do other things. I just want to do the training. Mm. And he says, are you stupid? He said, no, no, no. Basically explains this idea of kind of brainwashing and by all means, I think if anybody serves and, and is in our military, by no means do I think you're brainwashed or anything of that nature. I think as my father, having served in the Air Force, knew basically the training techniques, not just physically, but mentally. And he said, no, when you get through the training, and I would say, if I get through, he's like, you're my baby, you're going to get through that training. <laughs> then you're going to want to and desire to join. There'll be a, a, um, a sisterhood, a, a community there. And I know you're going to want to. So I'm going to stop you from doing that. And, um, and so because my dad rarely, um, at age 23, of course, would have put any type of you know, stipulation or um, any rule over mm -hmm. my life. I knew he was serious. So I could tell in his voice that he would absolutely fly out to New York. Um, that I decided. And take you out like Liam, Liam Neeson. Style. Literally. <laughs> he'd be that guy too. So um, I, I, did, I didn't do that. I will find you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so from that, um, wow. I mean, even going through that kind of training, that kind of boot camp style mm. training. So was that something that sparked? Yeah. Partly. I'm, I, I was just so, I don't know how to describe myself in my early 20s. I was very, very naive. I was very, um, everything excited me. Looking up at the buildings, at the, at the mm -hmm. skyscrapers in New York City excited me. Um, conversations with people, foreigners, uh, excited me. Um, mm -hmm. Riding in a taxi excited me. I was just open and ready for life. Um, 
So this idea of doing six weeks of a grueling, physically and mentally challenging um, process excited me. Um, But in hindsight now, I'm so glad that my dad sort of diverted that um, because it sort of landed me in another position, which I worked um, in like for five years right before I quit the corporate world to Mm -hmm. pursue fitness. Got it. Um, And that was very, very unexpected. Interesting. So that's what I want to talk about now is that pivot into the fitness world. Um, So was this just something that was like a passion for you at that point Mm -hmm. or what, why, why, why did you make the decision to get into fitness? Really loaded question. So no more Marine Corps, but no more Marine training. Um, I then signed up to a, a employment agency who basically were sort of feeding me out to different types of roles because I was diehard ready to get out of my job. Um, they put me in front of this gentleman. He said, it's not really your thing, um, but this guy is super cool and has a, a small company and he's growing, needs some help. So I'll, go, I'll meet with him. I'm like, I'll take anything. I said in the interview, um, immediately we get along I see and recognize that he's a very unconventional kind of guy. Um, and he basically hires me on the spot. I become very quickly, he's EA, he's PA, he's office wife and all these great things. <laughs> that I So I thought. Um, but no means, again, that role, um, the second corporate job, that is, did I hate it? It was, again, a whole lot. Um, and I often compare it to the Devil Wears Prada situation. Mm-hmm. But it was certainly not my calling, uh, not my purpose. And I found, again, I was working crazy hours, even more so than the first job, um, with a lot more perks and a higher salary. So I would stack money aside. Um, after five years, within that five years, um, I started to date my then best friend. We had been friends for years um, Oh, you got out the friend zone. Got out the it friend is zone. Possible. It is possible. So uh, listen yep, up. Definitely is possible. <laughs> and he um he is an amazing person. Um and I quickly fell in love with him. And what I was I what I was most attracted to him was his fam- family dynamic. Mm-hmm. So he, how his family moved was very, very similar to how my family moved in Australia. Now, having moved to Australia, my mother's family, being our Polynesian side, so the Samoan side, is who raised my sisters and I. So we have very much a spirit and a soul and a heart from our Polynesian Polynesian culture and roots. So when I met, uh, his name is Ryan, his family being um, Native Americans, I saw something very familiar and I really loved it. Mm -hmm. So very quickly, his friends became my friends. His family were my family. And we were were very much a unit. Um, In my mind, made certain plans, future, marriage, kids. Um, that I thought we were aligned with. Um, however, a lot of our relationship was long distance because he also played in the NFL. And so he played not in New York, but in Wisconsin. Um, and, you know, life happens. And and sadly, uh, he wasn't committed to the relationship as much as I was. And and so I don't, I, I hate to use the word cheat, but I suppose it is that, right? Yeah. I say that because I tiptoe around this a lot because he now is one of my biggest supporters and greatest friends. So I, yeah. I never want to feel like I'm throwing, um, you know, pushing him under the bus. I get that wrong every time. What is the expression? 
uh, thrown under the throwing. bus. Throwing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. My boyfriend's always like, push. you're so Aussie. You always get these things wrong. <laughs> um, but because of that, um, after the relationship dissolves, I, I go into a really, really bad place. Mm-hmm. My job at the time um, is presenting itself as something too much, um, more than I could handle. My boss becomes very demanding. Um, and I was doing things at work that I feel like were just morally not right as far as dealing with, um, you know, my boss's personal life um, and handling certain things that for him that I just didn't feel comfortable doing. And then I just came crashing down. I, I, I fell into a really deep depression, but no one would know because I would leave my apartment with a big smile on my face. Yeah. And then something happened after losing pardon me, 30 pounds and not recognizing myself. I said, I need to go home. I need to go home. I had this, this quote-unquote great job with this great salary, and I, I, I had certainly had the means to do what I want and live how I want, um, but I was hurting so bad inside. Mm-hmm. And so it came to a point where my work was at a, a, a high time, uh, sorry, a peak of frustration. I'm super depressed. I don't recognize myself, not even mentally, but just also physically. And then I decide it's time to go home. Yeah. Um, for me, if anybody knows me, especially my sisters, who I essentially I live for, knows that I'm a very prideful person. Meaning the idea of going home based on heartbreak is just devastating on its own just to think mm-hmm. about. So I said right before I really make this trans- transition to leave, what can I do to make myself feel better? The only thing I could think of is just thinking about movement, mm-hmm. active, something challenging, getting ties back into this this younger leader of adventure and physical activity, track days, football. And so I took the day off work, which never happened because mm-hmm. it's almost as if my boss can scratch his own ass without me being in the office. Mm-hmm. And I go to the gym. Mm-hmm. I go to the gym. I put in four hours of just madness, right? I was like probably doing Olympic lifting, something crazy, something I shouldn't have been doing. And then right after that workout, I was like, holy smokes, I'm hungry again. I wasn't losing weight or didn't drop 30 pounds because I became bulimic or anorexic. I just didn't eat because I wasn't, I had no appetite. Mm. But after that workout, it changed everything. Mm. All of a sudden I was hungry and I knew better. Hadn't been a former athlete, eat right. So that became a pattern every day after work. I would go in, spend no less than three hours in the gym, training like a maniac and be hungry. So I would eat. And then very quickly, my body started to transform Mm -hmm. and then just, fast track this, this part of the conversation, uh, somebody introduced me to Instagram. And I was like, I don't know what this is. Like, oh, just share photos. At the time, my life was very much about saving my own life. So I had barely any followers. And those that followed me were family and cousins back in Australia. So I, I was just using it as an open diary and just organically posting workouts, food, quotes. I started traveling on my own, um, reading I became that person with vision boards, uh, post positive affirmations around my apartment. And these are the things I always had to share on Instagram. Mm. And then something happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Something did happen. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. just like took off, you know. Yeah. Unintentionally. I had no intent for it. Just I just chose to share it and people started following me and and liking and commenting, whatever. I, I didn't care for it. I didn't I had no purpose for that. It was yeah. for me. And so also 
just take a small step back. Mm. Um, and by the way, the story is fascinating. There's so many things that I'm going to pull together here that it's just, you're, you're speaking to so many different people's stories, you know, of breakups and um, working in jobs that are tearing them apart mm. and, um, and being away from family, you know, yeah. it's just, it's really powerful. So when you were posting, was it just you or you were working with people at this point and, you know, doing like a, some group training? Yeah. As well? No, at the very, very beginning, like I said, there was no intention. Mm -hmm. It was really just me just posting parts of my life. And all of my life at that point mm -hmm. outside of work was just this this fitness or this active life. Um, so at first it was not. And then um, one day at the gym, a, a gentleman came out to me and says, oh, you know, hey, I sorry to interrupt you. Like, what are you training for? And I looked at him and I said, excuse me, uh, uh, for life. And for life. Ir ironically, yeah, I said that. <laughs> I, essentially I was, I was really training to save my life. Yeah. I was like, just for life. And he said, oh, well, my bad. He said, I thought you were one of those competitive girls. Like the, you know, I thought you did a show, like you, mm -hmm. you compete for shows. And I said, shows? But he triggered something, a complete, mm -hmm. complete stranger. I went home that night and I Googled, you know, sport of bodybuilding came up. And I, I saw images of these women. Mm -hmm. um, and immediately I was like, oh, I want to do that. And that, so I sparked a whole nother journey um, of getting ready for, to compete as women's figure on the bodybuilding stage. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a whole nother phase of my transition um, into fitness now with intent. Yeah. Right? So at first it was just whatever. Now it is, I have a, a full training schedule, full diet, um, great coach and all these things that I began to share. And again, that pulled in another kind of uh, group or demographic of people that mm -hmm. were fitness um, enthusiasts and things of this nature. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And so you did compete. I did. You went through that process. I did. And um, if you could, like, what are two lessons that you gained from that process of uh, bodybuilding? Yeah, great question. Absolutely. Number one lesson is that the, the sport of bodybuilding or the art form of bodybuilding um, has, to me, I should say, little to do with my physical transformation because it took all of my mental strength to build what I had physically. So instead of this idea of transforming, transforming my body, I learned quickly that I had to first transform my mind and to build mental stamina, mental strength, resilience, perseverance, um, that took everything, the tools that took to build mm -hmm. a body. Um, so that, because I think a lot of people, or I think a lot of people get it misconstrued with this idea of this, like, building a body. I'm like, first, you, your mind needs to be strong. Yeah. Um, and number two, the sport of bodybuilding messed me up um, mentally and emotionally because post-competing, yeah. my body yo-yoed crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Crazy. I put on 20 pounds in like You're 10 days. You're speaking to so many people's experience yeah. right now. So I yeah. get a lot of women like ask a lot of questions about the competing life in the world, what it takes, if it's for them. Um, and, and I never discourage anyone. However, I think there's a, there's a lot of people that don't share the real truth. And, and not just this idea of your physical body, what it costs, the finances involved, mm. um, the time commitment. Because, you know, you got, you know, single mothers of three that want to do this. And, and the idea is look, there's, there's work, morning workouts, evening workouts, and how you balance that in your everyday life. It's like, no, no, you really have to assess everything. Um, so I think for me, 
I learned that post-competition, my body yo-yoed so much and I had gained so much weight. Again, a lot of it's water and Mm -hmm. things of that nature, but it changed my whole body, right? I had been working so hard and for a whole year I competed, a year and a half. Um, And after that, I decided it was no longer for me. And then after X amount of months, as my body kind of morphed into, you know, drinking water again Mm -hmm. and having soap back in my diet, it became this, right? And I was, I didn't recognize it, right? And then I had this, social media kind of inf- uh, following an audience that were like, what's going on? Are you going to compete again? And I was like, oh, no, that norm of competing is not a lifestyle. Absolutely not a lifestyle. I was then saying, no, the sport of bodybuilding is an extreme sport. And for me, it was not something for, for longevity. It was not going to be a lifestyle. This is what it is as a lifestyle for me. And now this is what my body looks like as a result. So I had to drop this idea of being super lean. Um, I had to drop this idea of um, strict dieting. I realized, oh, I don't want to eat out of Tupperware every day. I don't necessarily want to prep every Sunday. Um, So what does that look like? And it looked like this. And I was presenting that to social media. And then I noticed women like, ooh, that makes sense for me. I can do that. Um, and, and I think that was a messaging that I was sharing that we're attracting an audience as well. Yeah. Redefining what it looked like to be fit and strong. And as a woman, beautiful, sensual, like, um, and curvy, and it's okay. Um, right. So, and I really pride myself on that because I found that there's a huge audience for women that want to know what it is to live a healthy, active lifestyle but not necessarily be super lean, slim, um, you know. So I gave him that balance or gave him a choice, I think. Yeah, and that's exactly what I started the show and with my wife, for example, and her resonating with you and your message. And I just thought it was so refreshing because I'd never seen, um, you know, your your kind of moniker, um, Thick Fit, right? Right. And so I, I, I saw this and I'm like, that's what's that's I like that. That's mm. what that's what I like personally mm. as well, you know, and just like I'm so happy that somebody's saying this, like give people permission to be that, you know, because it's there's a lot of different flavors of healthy. Absolutely. You know? yeah. But a lot of people don't know there's different flavors. Now I say in my own journey, uh, especially when I was com- competing, I would look to um uh, examples or or people that I could aspire to or uh, be inspired by. And I found as a black woman in the United States that there wasn't many people. There wasn't many examples. And then also, ironically, I, I love and admire so much the Serena Williams, um, who is literally the best in the world at what she does. As a black woman, I identify, right? Multiple levels, athlete, black, muscular, and then when you look at mass media, you see she is damned. She is told that she's too masculine, too manly, unattractive, all these things. And I was like, holy smokes. Yeah. Unfair. Because as a woman of color, we will never be, and it's not part of our genetic code, to be super skinny, super lean. It's just not. And I said, holy, no, no. Instead of looking for, someone to be a spot inspired by minus the Serena Williams or whatnot. Um, I decided that I was going to be that. Yeah. 
because there was an audience that I was now familiar with that saw me as that. So I decided, okay, I'm going to be that. And so therefore, as Gandhi says, you know, be the change you want to see in the world, I believe. Um, I adopted that kind of uh, uh, mantra. And and now it's very much part of of who I am and my brand. And I'm super proud that I can be that person for a body of women and not just black, you know, because if you look at, especially the United States, there are more women of curves, um, of fuller figures, than there are the super lean and skinny. And again, not to throw shade on the super skinny, it's that I don't identify with it, and neither does the majority of my audience. Yeah, I love that so much. You know, this is a shade-free zone here. Yeah. Right? There's no shade cool. in this room, but I think it's really important for us to understand, again, there's many flavors of fit, Mm-hmm. And to have more examples, you know, because for everybody, you know, even uh, the the model health show uh, family that's listening right now, there's so many different body types. There's so many different stages that people are at even in their journey. And for us to have uh, a model of what's possible, but at the same time, embracing our own individual journey and our own individual uniqueness, mm-hmm. I think that that's really something that you brought forth and that you uh, share consistently. And I've been diving into your world awesome. here big time, you know, just in preparation. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you said, you know what? No, but I'm going to do it. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm going to step into this role. Mm-hmm. Because for me, even starting this show is very similar. You know, um, I was listening to podcasts and I was like, man, there's some great, great information, you know, but some it's, it's, some of it's just too dry. Like, yeah. oh, it's, it's so boring. Who's going to listen? I will because I'm a nerd. Yeah. But, you know, let's provide this in a way that makes sense for people, that's fun to listen to, that people can ad- identify with. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, this is just a, a cool person. This is somebody who cares about me, somebody who wants me to come out the other side being smarter, having listened to this versus I feel like I can't figure it out and they're the smart person, you know? And so mm-hmm. I totally appreciate and identify. And I just want to give you huge props for stepping into that because you've changed so many people's lives. Thank so. you so much. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Definitely, given where I've come from, I, I like I say, I, am, I truly am one of the most blessed people to do what I love and be honest while doing it and yeah. then have an audience that appreciates and recognizes me for it. Yeah, there Thank we you. go. So the real goal here is, you know, this is something I've talked, I've even done an episode of my show about this and the um, the difference between fitness and health, hmm. right? There's a difference between those two things because I was a very fit person when I was a teenager, yep. but I was not healthy, Got you know, you. to the degree like I was, I was breaking down inside, you know, but we want to embrace all of that. So what is health? What health is for one person is different. What fitness is for one person is different. Agreed. And there are, are thin folks listening. There are people who are just getting started in their fitness journey and they've got, you know, quite a bit of weight to lose, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's a hundred pounds, but their goal is to get healthier. I don't care what your physical shape looks like as long as you're living a lifestyle where you're taking care of your health. Absolutely. That's what's most important. Yeah. And giving people permission to truly be themselves, mm-hmm. you know, whatever shape that it, that's in. And, but again, there's a big difference though when we talk about, you know, somebody who is, um, there's a big movement towards with talking about body shaming, yeah. right? And I just had Andy Frisella on the show. I don't know if you know Andy. I, should, I feel like I him. should know these people. It's all good. It's My all head good. is in the sand. So uh, Andy's got incredible stories. He's lost 100 pounds. He's a CEO of First Form. and um, I'm familiar with 
First bomb. Yeah. Okay, he's the CEO. Yeah. And he lost how much? 100 pounds wow. himself. Okay. That's crazy. You know, and it was while building this company, he gained all this weight. Oh. You know, and he's a bigger guy, just kind of like a, you know, thicker frame guy. So he kind of can quote hide it well is what he shared. Okay. And he was just being clear, like, he, he doesn't want people to prop up and say, you know, we're not body shaming when you're not actually taking care of your health, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So as long as you're taking care of you, we want to make sure that you feel good about you, you know, that you feel good in your clothes, that you feel good in your skin. And I, again, just want to thank mm-hmm. you for helping people to feel that way. So thank I you. want to ask you about um, the, the, the title of Thick Fit. You even got the yeah. love thyself, yes. thyself. <laughs> and so where did that concept come from? Yeah, I mean, the concept of Thick Fit to address that was literally just a hashtag. Um, that I started to use, it, it, there was no thought behind it. It's funny, I, I started with no intention. So I just started using it because I was trying to identify with being fit or in the fitness space, but I was a thick girl. And so a lot of people be like, she ain't fit. Mm-hmm. I get that all the yeah. time. She ain't, man, she ain't fit. She's just, she's just thick. I'm like, I am. I'm definitely thick. I come from African-American and Polynesian genetics. Half my family in, from the islands, New Zealand and Australia, are like brick houses, mm-hmm. but are proud. We are proud to be thick people. We use our bodies for performance. Like yeah. half my family are pure athletes, you know? So I was like, I'm not going to shame away. When I was competing, my coach used to say, you know, baby Gobi's going to have to fight those genetics. Lean the thighs, lean the thighs. When I was done, I was like, I don't want to fight my genetics no more. I'm actually proud to be exactly who I am. Yeah. And that's how I was raised. Oh, Grace, and credit to my mother. So it's like, for me, the identifying with fit, I had to kind of define that for myself first. Yeah. Walk in my own truth and make that look like yes. the shit, you know? And then when I did that and owned it, I realized the women that were doing this. Oh, me too. Me too, girl. I have got thighs, but you can't tell me that I don't eat right. I, you know, I'm in the gym. Like, so I was like, yeah, whatever that is for you, girl, you fit as well. You a thick fit. So it became a thing that I just started using. And then a lot of people just started using it as well. Um, sadly though, as a kind of side note, I had to stop using it like, um, or selling it or, you know, like legally, because uh, sadly and unfortunately, somebody came after me and said it kind of um, was too close to something that I was using that was already trademarked. That's another thing. You trademark your stuff. Lesson learned. Um, <laughs> but I did transform that into what I call now thick athletics. And I have really cool little stuff like this, like yeah. love thyself and thick thighs save lives. Um, they do indeed. Yes. Yeah. We think so. So um, that I'm known for. But it was something that I had to define for myself first and foremost. Yeah. And and kind of share that with the world in a very, very prideful, loving way. Yeah. Oh, man, that's such a good story. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Today, we're in the midst of a new revolution with our understanding of food. We used to just be focused on this macronutrient paradigm, proteins, fats, carbohydrates. Carbohydrates and proteins got a pretty good name, but fats were drugged through the mud. Why is that? Because it's called fat. All right, the name implies something different than the other two. Because when we hear the word fat, we think about fat on our bodies. Fat in food and fat in our bodies are two totally different things. 
And it's like thinking, if I eat blueberries, I'm going to turn blue, when you think that eating fat is going to turn you fat. It just doesn't work like that. And any of those three macronutrients can actually put fat on your body if you eat too much or the wrong types. Healthy fats, which I'm proposing that we start to call lipids or even energy, are incredibly important for every single function in your body. Your cells, every single cell in your body, we have upwards of 100 trillion cells that make you up, require fats to just maintain the integrity of your cell membranes. We're talking about the thing that holds your cells together and enables your cells to communicate. It's very important. Also your brain, your brain is mostly fat and water. This is why fats are so important. When you're deficient in fats, especially the right kinds of fats, you can see some big issues. So in order to address that, some of my favorite things today are MCT oils. And specifically, if we look at emulsified MCT oils that actually taste amazing. And these are median chain triglyceride oils that are extracted from things like coconut or palm. And these medium chain triglycerides have a thermogenic effect on the body, which means they are able to positively alter your metabolism. All right, that's number one, thermogenic effect from MCT oils, positively altering your metabolism. Number two, MCTs are more easily absorbed by your cells. So unlike conventional food of any type that has to go through a pretty arduous process of digestion, turning that food stuff into you stuff, MCTs are able to go directly to your cells and provide almost instant energy. And number three, MCT oils are very protective of your microbiome. There's so much research today about the importance of having a healthy microbiome and the integrity of our gut. MCT oils are one of those things that help to support that because they're especially effective at combating viruses, parasites, bacteria. There's so much goodness that is able to be found in these MCT oils, but you wanna get the good stuff. And for me, that's why I go to onit.com forward slash model. That's O-N-N-I-T.com forward slash M-O-D-E-L to get the emulsified MCT oils, which is like a coffee creamer. These are great to add to your coffees and teas, smoothies and things like that to get in a little bit of extra flavor plus all the benefits of MCT oils. They're easy to stir so you don't have to throw everything into a blender just to get a nice coffee drink, but also they taste good and they make the process of being healthy, fun and enjoyable. So head over, check them out. They've got vanilla, coconut, cinnamon swirl, and strawberry. It's one of my favorites. So go to onit.com forward slash model for 10% off your entire purchase, not just for the MCT oil, but all of the health and human performance supplements that Onit carries and all of their fitness equipment, gear, and so much other cool stuff. All right, head over there, check them out, onit.com forward slash model. Now back to the show. Um, so with your posts, recently I saw one where you talked about this being a really now, now, now culture. Yeah. Right? And how that can, and by the way, that's great. We got Uber Eats. All right. We got True Story. Uh, just rented a car. Nice, you know, family vehicle for the trip. Um, and it wouldn't, all our luggage wouldn't fit into one. Well, mostly my wife's luggage wouldn't <laughs> fit into one utility vehicle. So we got to a different one. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I had the key to the other one still. The, the one we shifted over from. We were at the car dealership, mm -hmm. I mean, the uh, rental car Rent. place, put all our stuff into the next vehicle, out of one vehicle because it wouldn't fit. Mm -hmm. But I had the keys to the one that we left. And we get, you know, 30 minutes away and we get the call. And I'm like, don't answer it. Because I realized right before they call. Dang. And I'm just like, how am I going to get it back? Because mm -hmm. apparently it's their only key, which is a failure on their part, yeah, by the crazy. way. 
But I was able to use like TaskRabbit for somebody to come grab the keys, take them over. It's a pretty small fee for the process because I was already like, we've been traveling for six hours. You don't want to drive back. You know, yeah. Yeah. So um, that convenience and that now thing, it is beneficial, but this can also get us off track. Yeah. With something specific. Yeah. And you talked about this. Yes. Yes. Listen, I'm big on making life more convenient. (laughs) Definitely. So when it comes to examples like you've just mentioned and- Uber Eats and all this type of stuff, you know, um, more power to it. I love the fact that I can use an ATM um, in my own car, the drive through ATMs. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of those in LA. I love it. Starbucks mm-hmm. right from the window in your car. Awesome. What I think, especially because social media is such a key force in our lives as far as information, finding inspiration and all these things, there is like... People like myself, uh, I certainly don't exclude myself, that may give off this idea that results and, and gains or, or change or transformation happens like this. Mm-hmm. And I'm very quick to be like, no, oh, no, that is not real. That is not honest. Um, so I like to speak to that because I'm really all about just trying to, to move from a very honest place. Um, the uprise of social media has, has changed the game for a lot of things. And I don't want to be or fall into the trap of promoting, advertising, or sharing messages that are just simply not true. Mm-hmm. As long as they are true to myself, I feel very confident in sharing with my audience. And so when people say, um, I want to get legs like yours, I, I'm, you know, this idea of like your body goals, I want to be like you, it makes me very kind of uncomfortable. Number one, you'll never be like me because I I am me and you are you. We, mm. Two different genetic codes, two different lifestyles, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so the now, now, now uh, speaks to those that see images, and they could be my own, of certain transformations that are truly a lifestyle or a lifetime of, you know, muscle uh, you know, um, of keeping a lean body. Um, you know, the the average person or the average woman is somebody that works nine to, this is my audience, that mm-hmm. is, uh, works nine to five, may have 2.5 kids situation um, that doesn't have the time to spend an hour on doing cardio in the morning before work, getting a lift in in the afternoon and doing some more cardio at night. But the transformation that you see, that person absolutely has that time to do that. So don't compare your six weeks to her six weeks. So I find that's common sense. But maybe because I've been on that side of the world, that I, on that part of the industry where I know what it takes. Mm-hmm. A lot of time, a lot of dedication, an extremely strict diet, and time. Um, so it's hard to sell that to somebody up for me mm-hmm. um, and think that they're going to get similar results. I'm just really big on sharing a message of lifestyle. Mm-hmm something that you enjoy, that is honest to how you move and your schedule. So again, for me personally, I don't like to diet hard and I don't want to eat out of Tupperware because it doesn't make sense for my lifestyle. Just full stop. Um, So I try to promote the idea of finding something that you actually enjoy, that is obtainable daily, that you can, can do on a consistent basis that then becomes your lifestyle pattern. In longevity is where you'll find true change and not just physically, 
but also mentally that can be then adopted by your children that helps a community. Yeah. You know, so that is my thing. It's, it's not this idea of extreme or the extremities of a lifestyle that you should adopt for change. Yeah. For my audience, it is all about longevity and yeah. promoting that type of lifestyle. I uh, love that. And uh, also something you mentioned was that this nature, this kind of culture that we have today, the very nature of that, having the now, now, now and access mm -hmm. and kids growing up in that, not really having to develop the muscle of perseverance. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah. Uh, definitely. That post was definitely about that as well. Um, the era is, I mean, I mean, I'm in my mid-30s, so things have definitely changed. You know, we probably grew up playing, you know, on the street and playing street basketball and, mm -hmm. and spending a lot of time outdoors, whereas these days kids are playing video games and on their iPads, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't, I don't know how to, it's, it's kind of common sense, right? This idea that if you want something, you work hard for it and it typically doesn't happen overnight. Makes sense to me. Maybe that's how I was raised, right? Um, this idea now, especially when I speak to my younger cousins or even my, my, my kid sister, who's 23, um, I am very, I'm usually the first person to say, you know, set a goal, understand that goal is going to take a lot of time, patience, and resilience, you know? Um, only because that's just been my walk in life. Mm -hmm. So what I share is truly just a reflection of what I've been through yeah. because it's honest. Um, but changing mentality of generations, uh, of a new generation that are very much in a now, now, now um, comes with some hard knocks and hard lessons because I soon will find out that nothing does happen overnight and that when you do get knocked down, you need the mental strength to get back up, yeah. you know? Absolutely. And it's okay to fail. Oh, yes. my gosh. I'm, yes. my, one of my mentors says, fail fast, move on, because you're going to do it often. Yes. Fail. Fail fast, then get up, move on. Uh, yeah. um, and that stuck with me um, and has helped me be resilient as well, personally. I, I love that so much. Fail forward is another thing. Yes, fail you know? forward, fail fast. <laughs> um, you know what? This is this is so important because like having so many people like being indoctrinated into the culture today, like growing up, like the cell phone is right there, all this access today. And I think it's important for us to consciously put ourselves in situations where we have to figure things out and also do that for our kids as well. You know, mm -hmm. we don't necessarily... It's kind of this weird thing of like, do I give them the world? Do I help cater everything to them so they can express their uniqueness? Mm -hmm. Or do I give them challenge? Do I put them in situations where they have to figure things out and understand that everything is figure outable? Yeah. You know, so I think that's so important. And um, <laughs> something I just thought about, like when we talk about patience, mm -hmm. if you want to know how somebody really is under pressure, like somebody you might be interested, maybe you dating or whatever, see what happens when they got slow internet. All right, like really pay attention <laughs> to their behavior when the Wi-Fi is slow. Yeah. Like, ooh, you can really see somebody's dark side, you know. So, um, yeah, but this is something that I think is is just going to even grow. This conversation about this is going to grow uh, even more. Um, I want to take a step back really quickly, mm -hmm. and I want to ask, because you've mentioned several people along the way in your journey, but I want to know who inspires you, you know, who inspires you um, to, to keep doing what you're doing right now? That's a really good question. I think it's recently evolved and changed, just very recently. I, when I was um, asked that question, 
I would say my two sisters, we, um, we have a very special bond. And the whole follow the leader came from my two parents that made me that example. They kind of conned me into going to, you know, college right, up, right after high school because, like, you know, you are the big sister. You are mm-hmm. the role model. Um, and so what it always inspired me to be better, do better, was to live a life that I'd want to see my sisters kind of follow in their own light, in their own worlds. Um, but to pick the right thing to do, to to do things with integrity and love. And and so I would say it is them, you know. However, recently, um, not recently, I met my, the love of my life a couple of years ago. And very quickly, we started to build a life together. Um, he he comes with four amazing, you know, kids. <laughs> he has four boys. Um, and they are young, 11, 8, 8, and 5. Um, and I find that my world very quickly changed from being like this super independent woman of the world that traveled wherever I wanted, whenever I wanted, and made decisions for myself. And all of a sudden now I'm sharing life with not just my boyfriend, but now these kids who I feel just as committed and responsible for. So this idea of like what inspires me um, stems far beyond professionally because I feel like I can only be as great professionally if personally I'm taking care of myself. And so therefore to answer your question, what inspires me now is to be somebody that these, you know, one day soon to be officially stepkids can look to as not only a friend, but somebody that can inspire them too to be better people, to choose decisions um, that, are, that are not sort of um, status quo or very conventional, but to look at life, um, especially professional life, a little differently and to build and create for their own. Um, because uh, myself and their father are certainly trying to build our own little empire for our family and so I am now really inspired to be a great partner and also a great stepmom. Wow. See, these are the small things that a lot of people might not necessarily know about you, you know, yeah, and seeing the things that you're doing mm. and, but just knowing what you've been through and uh, dealing with depression, dealing with being the person who is uh, having their heart broken, mm. you know, and dealing with the, uh, the devil wears Prada, Adam Eve wears Nada. <laughs> Shout out to Kanye, sort of. I hope you're all right out there. I know. Um, But, you know, just your story wasn't this kind of just easy path. And this is a consistent thing with the real superheroes, you know, like they've gone through stuff to Mm -hmm. really develop that that character and that muscle. And so I just want people to understand, like, whatever you're going through, there's a gift on the other side of it. Always. Oh, my gosh. Always. In fact, I really encourage people that if they find themselves in a really dark place or a hard time, they have to know without a shadow of a doubt. It never lasts, right? And then I really encourage that if you can, find a moment to stay still within that storm that you're enduring. Change your perspective just slightly. You may see the reason why life or God or the universe is putting you through that storm. If you are lucky and you have that little bright light within, you may find the reason. Therefore, it makes it a little bit more easier to endure that storm. But one, know that it never lasts. And two, there's absolutely a reason why life is dealt you that card for the better. 
So I, I, I've gone through those storms multiple times in my life. And without a doubt, every single time, because I've had that minute to be still and realize it's okay because I will gain X, Y, Z afterwards. That would then put me in a position to do X, Y, Z. That puts me on top of the mountain every time. Wow. That is Mm. so powerful. Wow. You know, this is something I just want to uh, share this with everybody really quickly. Whenever I get a chance, I want people to, that's such a great exercise in the moment, especially when stuff is going crazy. In the moment, it's hard. It's very tough. But if you can even ask, you know, what is this trying to teach me? Mm -hmm. What what gift is trying to emerge in my life as a result of this? It immediately, if you can just have the courage to do that and listen, be still enough. She just said it, to be still enough to listen. It can really help to push forward and give you some new energy to, to understand this, this too shall pass, yes. but also I'm going to come out a better person. Wow, so good. Um, so one of the last things I want to cover with you, we got to talk about a little fitness, all right? Because yeah. this is what you do. I love it. So if people are like, somebody's going to go to the gym today, and mm-hmm. right now they're watching YouTube to see, they're watching like 10 different style of donkey kicks to go <laughs> to the gym and waste their time. All right, so what, what is your <laughs> approach with fitness uh, for folks, like, what is, should we, like, is it more like, you know, strength training? Should mm-hmm. people do, be doing, like, cardio every day? Like, what yeah. is the main, like, what are, give me three major pieces for people to, to really, not just for their fitness, but also their functionality. Three things. Mm. Uh, for me, it is three things. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to pick three things, it is absolutely strength, yeah. right? I have not been able to sort of build and maintain a body had I not been around some heavy stuff that I could pick up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, movement. I'm big on movement. Having come from, like, track, like, it's great to lift weights, but if you don't move your body functionally, like, for me, I love to hit the track. I love to do stadium work, um, change up my my movement where there is just body-weighted movement, mm-hmm. key. And three, um, I'm, I'm a toss between um, stretch and sleep. Mm. Right. So you don't even notice. You don't even notice. I my international best-selling book, Sleep Smarter. Sleep right? Smarter. Yes, I'm oh, all ooh. about the sleep too. So okay. yeah, yes. that's that's good. Yes, and I've learned that lesson myself. There was a time where I was training, no joke, six hours a day, um, while I was working corporate. Mm-hmm. So my hours are crazy, and getting maybe four and a half hours sleep, mm-hmm. five if I was lucky. Yeah. Um, and after months of doing that, completely burnt out, yeah. like so like flabbergasted as to why I was not seeing the results of everything I was putting in. And then I was, idiot, you're not allowing your body to rest and recover and replenish and repair. Yeah. Congratulations, you played yourself. Yeah, ooh, <laughs> big time. So you look back and like, what a wasted three months of my life. That's what DJ Khaled pops in. He, yeah. He's so right for that. <laughs> Never played play myself. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, sleep, but you know, stretching too, and maybe cause I'm yeah. a little older these days, I'm finding great value in a good stretch. So, um, strength, got to move the body, sleep, stretch right yeah. in there too. Oh my goodness. So good. And it's so <laughs> simple. You simple. know, if people would get this, these are the big, those three things are the big hormonal movers yeah. of our bodies, you know, especially with the strength training. That elicits so much anabolic hormone activity. Mm-hmm. Like you get so much more bang for your buck. The movement in and of itself is really um, geared towards like balancing you out, you know, mm-hmm. muscle imbalances, calming your nervous system, getting you more parasympathetic. 
when you need to, especially if you're doing some walking. Absolutely. Um, and then, of course, the rest and recovery. That's when we produce the most most human growth hormone is during yeah. sleep. Yeah. Keeps and you I young. think people, it's like a very missed um, part of the equation. People overlook it all the time. Very yeah. underrated. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm like, yo, folks, you got to sleep. You yeah. gotta rest. That's what I'm talking about with uh, Doctor Oz. Depending on, I don't know when this so is coming awesome. out. I'm excited but to that hear that. That specific one. thing is, um, I think so many people glance past just mm -hmm. how much sleep impacts your body composition. Mm -hmm. You know, um, during sleep, and here's something crazy too. By the way, is melatonin people talk about? You mm -hmm. know, this glorified sleep hormone. It actually helps your body burn fat. And mm -hmm. the thing is, you don't produce much melatonin if you don't have a normal sleep cycle, yep. and if you're not exposed to darkness. You know, and so a lot of folks, they're doing the Netflix and no chill a lot and, you know, just not really getting that ample time to produce enough melatonin and wonder why they're struggling to, you know, get those last couple pounds off or whatever the case might be. So it's just stacking conditions in your favor. The book is called Sleep Smarter, Not Sleep More. Okay. So it's just Sleep sleeping smart. better with the sleep you are getting. Okay. Um, but so, so awesome that you shared those things. Um, you know, there's so many things I want to ask you about, but... I think it's especially with your uh, your mission and, and your kind of inspiration that you're sharing with everybody being in the fitness domain. So I would love if you could share, just kind of take me through what a day might look like for you yeah. as far as like, are you exercising in the morning or are you just kind of getting it in wherever you can? Like, what is what is your day kind of yeah. like? Of late, slightly changed these days because of my work schedule. But a typical day for me um, starts around... Uh, Early for me, 7 a.m., I, I get some morning cardio in, which I do fasted. Mm -hmm. um, lately, I'm like forcing my boyfriend out of bed too. So we're, doing, we're running the streets together, which is kind of cool. Um, then I'm a full schedule of morning clients that usually take me no, no later than noon. Mm -hmm. um, because of that reason, sometimes, and not intentionally anymore, but I will fast. So I won't mm -hmm. eat yeah. until about noon. Intermittent uh, fasting. Yeah. I'm not strict on it anymore, even though I was last year. Yeah. But for the most part, I'm happens. not having my, exactly. Yeah. It kind of is my schedule. And that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, so, and not hungry either. I don't ever like starve myself, which is a big part of my never do's. But, um, so then, uh, you know, I come home, um, I'll eat. Uh, so midday, which would probably be breakfast. And then... Uh, laptop work. I'm definitely one of these people, right? As you would know, a whole bunch of emails to get back to, people to respond to, deals to close and all that kind of fun stuff. You know, also run an online business. So it's like shipments and, and, and packages and parcels and custom service and all that stuff. Um, then somewhere in between, I'm, I'm eating again. Um, Sometimes if I have the time, I'll, I'll accompany one of the kids to like a baseball practice or... That's where you're coming from today. Was the game today? Yeah. Yeah. Some Saturday is a bunch of games yeah. for the kids. Uh, they're in the mix of things. These days I'm helping to do homework when we've got the kids over. Um, cooking meals, which again, I've gone from me, myself, my boyfriend and I, when we're typically together, it's like eat out. So, you know, that is a new part of my life. Um, and then I'll go back to the gym. I have I take on evening clients that have me in the gym till about nine nine thirty. Um, however, I've eaten my last meal before that though. And then when I get home, it's a shower, unwind. Uh, I'm a big meditator, a candle burner too. So I like to unwind by starting there, uh, starting to I mean doing that before bed. Um, but usually I'm not gonna lie, I carry the laptop into the bed and I'm still finishing off some work. 
And if I'm lucky, I'm I'm out by eleven. Okay. If I'm lucky. That's pretty boring, right? No, no. That's a typical that's pretty, day. It yeah, can get more exciting if there's an air fest, sure. I mean, a, a plane somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure. You're doing like boot camps across the country and things yes. like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the the reason I wanted to ask you that is just for people to get a glimpse and like and see how normal their lives are as oh, well. Yeah. You know, like there's not necessarily something exceptional, but there is a consistency most likely and some structure and also leaving room for flexibility, you know, for mm. things to happen, like you said. I'm not going to talk about you with the laptop in bed, you know, <laughs> being the being the extra partner, you know, mm-hmm. there with you. But, um, you know, it's not about being perfect. It's about progress and it's about doing what works for you. Um, and so with that said, there's, again, there's so many things I want to ask you about. But in closing, I, I want to ask you about something that I saw on your, on your Instagram page, mm. which is a statement that says, seek to be worth knowing rather than to be known. Yeah. For sure. What does that mean for you? I I think, again, social media, this era, we can all become our own celebrities. Um, and even to this day, I, I'm so humbled, like so like ecstatic that somebody be, uh, I'll be out grocery shopping or something and somebody will tap me on the shoulder and introduce themselves and tell them they follow me. And and use the words like idol and like body goals and like um, like celebrity. Like to me is so foreign, so foreign. I'm not sure. I don't share what I share because I I want to be known. I, I want I want this type of celebrity clout. It, as cliche as that sounds, really not even for it. I don't care. I started in this because I was trying to save my life and put myself on a healthier journey not just physically, but mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And so the idea of being recognized as somebody that one can identify with, because I lack that in my own journey, um, and being told that that helps them in any type of way um, is what I value so much. Um, So these titles of celebrity and things of that nature, this this idea of, of being known for no reason outside of you know, my, as my boyfriend calls these half naked bikini shots on my Instagram is one thing. But when someone says, yo, I really love what you wrote, that really helped me. Um, and because of it, uh, I was able to be a better mother. Or because of it, my husband and I now work at just whatever. Yeah. That is what I value. And that's what I believe that post for me is about, really. Yeah. And what you're saying is just rings true. And I think everybody can really feel that. You know, so. that yeah. this is, it's it's genuine and the the status is super bonus, but it's deserved because, mm-hmm. you know, you are, you're amazing. You're a superhero. Thank you very much. So thank you for sharing your, your incredible story and um, a couple of insights here or there that can be straight up game changing. Um, but if you can let everybody know again, so where, where can they find you online and yeah. uh, connect with you? Thank you. Uh, I think for the most part, a lot of things live right on my website, which is my name, LitaLewis.com. And then on social media, I carry the handle, follow the Lita, L-I-T-A, that is, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, for the most part. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. Lita, you are, again, your superhero, and thank you for saying yes. Thank you for persevering through all the, the craziness, and I'm so happy for you right now in your life. You just... You really seem very grounded and happy with where you are, even though it's not easy. Let's no. be clear, but you know, you're you're just you're. you're I'm, I'm very grateful 
for for your path and and I'm happy for your happiness. Thank you. I appreciate you being a person that is sharing such knowledge with the community and um, allowing me to share my story uh, with you and your audience. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's totally my <laughs> pleasure. Thank you. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. Wow, this is just another reason. Follow the Lita, all right? She is the real deal. And, you know, this is a, a great opportunity for us to, there's so many great takeaways, but one thing that's jumping out for me is to fail fast and, and keep it moving, all right? Fail fast and move on. So many times we're not taking the, the action step necessary because we're worried about falling flat on our face. And here's the thing, you will, you will fail. And that's okay. Everybody, I think it's so important that some of the great leaders out here today are sharing how much they fail and how hard things have been throughout their process. Nobody gets there easy. Nobody gets there. Everybody's just making great decisions along the way. People are failing their way to it. And it's okay to make mistakes with your nutrition. It's okay to make mistakes with, you know, the, the relationship that you might be in. It's okay, but learn the lesson, all right? Because each of those failures has a valuable nugget, a packet of wisdom, a packet of insight and a gift for you that you can look back. It might be next year, 10 years, 20 years from now, you're going to be able to look back and be like, man, that thing literally changed my life. I'm so grateful for that failure. All right. So fail fast, move on. All right. That's one of the big takeaways from today. And also just embracing our uniqueness. You know, uh, thick thighs do indeed save, li save lives, mm -hmm. but so do thin thighs. All right. So, so do muscular thighs. All right. There's all kinds of thighs and that's okay. You know, it's really just embracing your uniqueness. There are pale thighs. There are super hairy thighs. All right. Out there. All right. And that's okay. Be you embrace that because the right people are going to love you for who you are. But regardless, this is still about being healthy. Be the healthy version of you. Make sure you're taking care of that amazing body that's taking care of you. That's the only place you've got to live in this world. You don't own anything else. You might think you do. That's temporary because the crazy thing is somebody's going to be living in your house at some point. You know, it's kind of creepy and weird to think about it, but that's the truth. You're not going to be here in 250 years. You know, you got to think about that stuff, but your body is the one thing that you have ownership over. It's your house. It's housing your spirit. It's pretty important, you know, so take good care of it and embrace the uniqueness that you are because you are special, you're unique and you deserve it. All right. So I appreciate you immensely for tuning into the show today. Make sure to share this out with your friends and social media tag Lita. Tag me. Let us know what you thought about the show. And listen, I've got some incredible, incredible episodes coming up for you. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care. Have an amazing day. And I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.